morning. It's so great to see all of you here at Grace Church. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online and uh, uh, really believe God is going to speak to you through the message this morning and uh, minister to you, encourage you, inspire you, and hopefully lead you to make some decisions of action in your own personal life. And before I dive into the message this morning, I wanted to let you know of kind of what's coming ahead, what's, what's ahead of us. Starting next Sunday, we're starting a brand new four-week series called I Choose. Because the reality is, is, is your life is really a summary of the decisions that you've made. And the decisions that we make in our lives are so important. And so we're going to dive in to see what the Scripture has to say about making decisions and um, I think it's going to be an, an important message for your life spiritually and for um, your journey ahead. Also, I want to take just a moment to thank Grace Church, you, for your generosity. Uh, I just wanted to remind us, I think sometimes, I've noticed this in my own life, sometimes we get so busy and we move so fast in life that sometimes God will do big things, He'll do incredible, incredible things in our lives but we're moving so fast that we don't t- take time to reflect and to thank him and to, to realize, wow, that was, that was a big moment in my life. And I think we've had some great moments here this year in our church. And I just wanted to remind you of just a couple. You know, when COVID hit, um, I think it was, a, it was a change for everybody. But Grace Church really stepped up and provided in generous ways to take care of people. Uh, through your generosity, we were able to deliver some grocery gift cards to families that were in need. Um, because of your generosity, we were able to send money to 20 pastors in the Philippines whose churches were going to close uh, their doors uh, really uh, forever, and they were able to stay open because uh, they had the funds to do so. Um, it was because of your generosity that that was able to happen. If you remember, we encouraged you to minister and to reach out to your neighbors and to bless your neighbors. And I don't think we have enough time to tell of all the stories of you, Grace Church, going to your neighbors, providing meals, mowing lawns, um, just having conversation, uh, ministering to people who were kind of shut in. It, it, it's really mind-blowing how Grace Church stepped up and really blessed and encouraged people through these days. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Um, if you remember back on Christmas Eve, we, we took up an offering called the Hope Offering. And we raised over $30,000 to be able to bless and to be able to encourage people. And um, when COVID hit, we decided to, to put a freeze on those funds because we wanted to see how bad it was going to get and wanted to make sure we had funds available to help people in need. And we have since um, opened those funds back up. And uh, we have a, a team that's led by Deb Williamson called the Hope Team. And uh, they have been uh, meeting people's needs through uh, food boxes They've been putting gasoline in people's tanks. Uh, they've been helping people. We've had some people that have lost loved ones and helping, helping them through the grieving process. I mean, there's some really neat things happening um, through your generosity and through the Hope Ministry. And so just wanted to update you on that. I wanted to thank you for your generosity. And I just want to say, hey, let's keep it up, okay? Let's keep blessing people. Let's keep um, spreading light in, in these days that we're living in. And let's keep encouraging people in these days that we're living in. You know, did you know that uh, every generation all throughout the scriptures has always been challenged to consider their future? This morning, we're going to be talking about the younger generations this morning. 
We're going to be talking about some change of strategy that we're going to be um, doing here at the church to better minister to and to better care for and to better reach the younger generations. All throughout Scripture, people were encouraged to consider their children and their children's children. So the Scripture has always encouraged people to have a forward-thinking mindset about the way you live, the decisions that you make. Um, It's not only going to affect you, but it's going to affect your children, and it's going to affect your children's children. A generational mindset. The Scripture has also encouraged us to consider the how are we going to pass on the faith baton? How are we going to set up the younger generations for success? How are we going to make sure that they see the greatness of our God? How, how are we going to uh, set them up to succeed spiritually? Because I think we would all agree, okay, if we could all kind of work from the same plane, the same foundation, we would all agree that we want the next generations to succeed, to flourish to do incredible things. We all want that. I want that for my children. I know you want that for your children. We all want the same thing. Even those of you that don't have children, you're like, yes, we want the younger generations to flourish. Today we're talking about some things that we're going to change and some things that we're going to do better, once again, to reach and to minister to the younger generations in our region. The title of the message today is A Change of Strategy. I want to read what David said in Psalm 78, verse 4. He said, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power, and about His mighty acts. Psalm 71, verse 18 says, Even when I am old and gray. Man, I relate to that verse more and more, all right? It's showing up a lot in my beard, all right? Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And then Joel chapter 1 and verse 3 says, tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. I heard a pastor by the name of Reggie Joyner. He uh, mentioned a story that some of you might remember. In 1987, in Midland, Texas, there was an 18-month-old little girl who was playing in a backyard with her cousin. And they were playing next to this old abandoned well. And uh, there's a small opening in this well. It was about eight inches in diameter, okay, this little well. This little girl named Jessica, she slipped and she fell into this well. And she got stuck in this well. But she fell 22 feet down under the ground and she got stuck in this well. Does anybody remember this story? All right, all right, there's a few of us. It was an amazing story. They called the authorities, a bunch of people descended on this little town in Midland, Texas, and they collaborated on how they were going to reach this little girl, how they were going to rescue this little girl. They collaborated on how. They were um, going to save her life. There were doctors. There were uh, professionally trained rescue workers. There were firefighters. There were even 
drilling experts that came to, to help collaborate. How are we going to rescue this little girl? They all came together realizing that we really only have one shot at this. We only have one shot to, to, to save her life. And so they started talking about what is the strategy that we're going to use to get this little girl out of this well. And they knew that if they drilled a hole on the top of the well, that the debris would fall into the well and it would cut off oxygen to Jessica. She wouldn't be able to breathe, so they knew that wasn't the right approach. And if they drilled a hole that was too close, that um, it could compress the well and it could crush her little body. So they were desperately trying to figure out how to get baby Jessica out of this well. And she became known around the world as baby Jessica. Okay? Because the news media descended in in Midland, Texas. I mean, we were watching this play out on live TV. They were um, capturing this for everyone to behold, and she became known as Baby Jessica. The best strategy that they came up with was they were actually going to drill a hole next to the the water well, or to the well. They were going to drill a hole, and they were going to go deeper than 22 feet, and then they were going to drill sideways, and they were going to come back up to be able to rescue her. So they were going to go past depth, go sideways, come back up, and try to rescue Jessica. I don't know if you remember, they ended up putting a a microphone down the well, and they were trying to listen to make sure that she was breathing, make sure, um, you know, she was still alive, and you remember what they heard? Baby Jessica was actually singing songs that she had learned in church. It was incredible. It was incredible. This frightened little girl who was stuck down there for hours. And so they started to dig this hole and they brought in the best drilling equipment. They, they started to dig and um, they knew that it, they once again had to go deeper than 22 feet. And digging this hole was actually a lot harder than they imagined. They ran into some uh, issues and it took about 48 hours for them to dig this hole, to reach the depth um, below where she was. And they were working against the clock. And baby Jessica, was she was getting dehydrated. She was fading. And uh, there was this defining moment that happened. The newscasters were saying, all right, this is the moment. This is when it's going to happen. And the rescue worker was going in. And if you remember, his name was Robert O'Donnell. And Robert was going to go in, and the the tunnel was finished, He was going to come out with baby Jessica. It was like the whole nation was just holding its breath. For a moment, our nation was unified around the rescue effort of a little girl. It was actually a beautiful thing. So Robert O'Donnell went down, and a few minutes later he came back out, but his head was down and his hands were empty. And the anticipation turned into an incredible disappointment. Robert looked around at the other workers and he said, you're not going to believe it, but when I got to baby Jessica, her body had swollen. I mean, she, she, she was swollen and I couldn't budge her. She, uh, she's really stuck in there and we can't get her out. I couldn't budge her. I couldn't move her. In that moment, these rescue workers were looking at each other and it didn't matter how much money they had spent It didn't matter how much energy they had spent. 
It didn't matter um, how much collaboration. It didn't matter how much effort. It didn't matter that they had failed in their effort. They were going to do everything in their power to rescue this little girl. Everything. And so they began asking themselves the same question. Did we have the right plan? Did we have the right strategy? After a grueling 58 and a half hours, this little girl being stuck down in this well, working against the clock, the rescue workers were able to free baby Jessica. They were able to rescue her. And the whole nation watching saw the cables move, saw the the winches turn, and this little toddler that was so weak, but she was still breathing, she was pulled to safety. Now, Now, the intention was crystal clear, the passion was evident, but the right plan, you know, the right strategy, it really mattered. It was really important. Now let's consider Grace Church for just a moment. When we talk about the next generations, I think if you were to ask some younger generations, which we have done, by the way, I think they would say that, man, I think the model of youth ministry, the way that we're trying to to reach the next generations, I think it's a little bit outdated. It's it's not really getting the job done. We're not seeing the the results. We're not seeing the fruit. We're not seeing salvations and baptisms and spiritual growth. It's just, it's not working the way we had hoped it would work. And so the question is, is do we have the right plan? Do we have the right model? To declare the power of God to the next generations. For the remainder of our time, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about a change of strategy that's going to happen in our youth ministry model here at Grace Church. And um, First, let's, let's talk about why we're changing our plan of how we're going to do youth ministry here at Grace Church. Once again, we're all on the same page that we want the younger generations to flourish and to succeed and to do great and incredible things. But let's talk about, like, why would we change our approach? Why would we change our strategy and how we're going to accomplish this? First of all, if you're taking notes, if you care, okay, we're going to change our strategy because the old model, which most churches in the United States kind of still function in this model, and a lot of churches are considering changing, by the way. But the old model was youth pastor-centric. To be frank, the old model was built around the youth pastor. If the youth pastor was cool and if the youth pastor was a really good people person, then the ministry would experience some success. But when the youth pastor moved on to another church or uh, maybe moved to a different ministry, then the youth ministry would just kind of fizzle back down. If the youth pastor was a little bit more of an introvert, maybe not, not as cool, then the ministry would struggle. And and this kind of mindset caused what I would call drop-off discipleship. People, uh, parents specifically, would drop off their kids at youth group and the weight of the spiritual discipling of their children was placed on the youth ministry and the youth pastor. Now remember, the youth ministry only had kids for just a couple hours every week in youth group and maybe an activity here and there. 
And so for the most part, there was only one voice speaking into the spiritual development of students. The youth pastor. The youth pastor was the main voice speaking into the spiritual growth of the young people. Hence, a drop-off mindset. And this, this, this model, okay, this old model caused a lack of, in, of adult investment into the spiritual development of students. And studies have shown that one of the biggest predictors of a student staying with their faith past high school, okay, a student having sticky faith, staying in the church, staying um, connected with Christ, the biggest predictor is adult mentors outside of parents and youth workers. You see, the reality is, is the wider the circle of adult investment into the life of a student, the more sticky faith that student is going to have. The more likely that student is going to continue on in faith. You see, I have four boys, okay? And I'm doing my best as a father to invest in their life. And um, man, they've had youth pastors invest into their life. But you know what? I want my four boys to see other men who are living out their faith in their home. I want them to see other men who are living out their faith in the workplace. I want them to see other men who are living out their faith in this world that we live in. I want them to see other men that they can look up to and say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that guy because, man, he has a great family. He's he's providing for his family. He's cool, man. He he has a boat, you know. He jumps off cliffs, and he's just fun to be around. And, I mean, he's he's a fun guy. Like, I want them to see other examples of how that works. And I know those of you that have daughters... You want your daughters to see other women who are living out their faith in their family. You want them to see other women who are living out their faith in the workplace. You want them to see other women who are living out their faith in this world that we live in. David said this in Psalm 145, verse 4. He said, let each youth pastor tell its children of your mighty acts, and let them proclaim your power. No, I didn't really say that, all right? I'm making sure you're awake. you got to have your own Bibles, by the way, because I can make up stuff, you know what I'm saying, and lead you astray and all that kind of stuff. Okay, Psalm 145, verse 4 says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Not just the youth pastor, each generation. It's my generation's responsibility to proclaim the power of, and the greatness of God to the younger generations. That includes you. It's not just on the youth pastor. It's my generation's responsibility to declare the greatness of God. So the old model of youth group, it happened at one place. It was centered around kind of one leader, and it happened at one time. There wasn't a whole lot of flexibility to that model. And for example, like students that lived in Bayfield, they would, uh, we had a van that would go to Bayfield and pick up students. And so they would ride on a van for 30 minutes to get to youth group and then 30 minutes home. So they had an hour commute to get to youth group. And when students were in middle school, they were all about that, riding on the van, all right, for an hour because it was so fun and they were hanging out with the friends and they're playing video games on their phones. And, but when, Kids got to high school, 
the involvement dropped drastically because no longer was it cool to ride on a van for an hour, right? To get to youth group. We saw, even in Durango, involvement drop because youth group happened at one place centered around one leader at one time. It was youth pastor-centric. Secondly, the old model led to a consumerism mentality rather than an ownership mentality. So instead of students serving in leadership roles and being given opportunities to serve, you know, I think students were kind of treated like consumers. So when students would show up, everything was already planned and already prepared. And, uh, you know, they would come and feast on, on what was prepared for them and then they would leave. They were not involved in the success or the failure of the ministry. And listen, unintentionally, okay, unintentionally we were feeding an appetite for entertainment rather than ownership. And the reality is, there is no way that we can compete with the world when it comes to entertainment. We cannot compete with Hollywood. I cannot compete with video games. I mean, have you seen some of the graphics on these video games? They're awesome. They are incredibly cool. I'm still like working with like clip art, you know? I mean, I can't compete with that. So what does the church offer? The church offers something the world cannot offer. The church brings Jesus. And through Jesus, you can have faith and hope and love and peace, and prayer, and we can lead students to true life. That is something that the world cannot offer. And we want students to be owners in this model. We want them to be leaders in the ministry. We want to help them, or we want them to help rather design the ministry. We want to give them opportunities to serve and to lead, and yes, even to fail. Because you know what? I was given those opportunities. I think a lot of us remember a few years back, our church, Grace Church, we had a college ministry. It was called TNF. stood for Thursday Night Fellowship. On Thursday night, it was so simple. I mean, the idea, we would feed them spaghetti, okay, for college students from Fort Lewis. They would come, they would have spaghetti. We would have literally a pot of spaghetti, Spaghetti sauce, garlic bread, some brownies or cookies, lemonade and water. And we did that every Thursday night. And college students were coming in droves. Like hundreds of students showing up on Thursday night. And yes, we had, we had worship uh, music. We had a, a, you know, a lesson that was spoken. And I've racked my brain like, what was the recipe to that success? I mean, it... It wasn't the spaghetti sauce. I know that for a fact. But what was the recipe for success? And honestly, I've come to the conclusion that it was student-led. You see, students were up here playing the instruments. Students were the one that were teaching. Students were the one that were helping to set up the tables and prepare the spaghetti. And Students were the ones that were... Um, connecting and making sure community happened. And they were planning events outside of Thursday night and they would hang out all the time and go do things that college students do. And I mean, students were the ones. 
that were really leading the effort. And there was incredible success to that. Lastly, the old kind of built around a youth pastor model led to a lack of discipleship, number three. You see, the reality is the world is going to disciple our kids if we don't. And I I know two of my boys are here right now, and they're probably sick of me telling them this, but I tell them all the time, you know what? I don't want the greatest influencers in their life to be their buddies. I want their greatest influencers to be mom and dad, to be, you know, youth leaders, to be men in their church, once again, that they look up to, that they respect. Intentionally discipling our children. Unfortunately, a lot of youth are being discipled in the ways of the world more than the church is discipling them in the ways of God. And I just want to remind you, the strategy of Grace Church, we summed it up this way, it's get in, grow up, and go out. And I think in the youth ministry, we saw a lot of kids coming in, but they weren't necessarily growing up in their faith, and that led to a lack of going out to make a difference in this world. And we were not seeing the lost come to Jesus. I mean, it was happening here and there, but not like we all want it to happen. And Young people weren't really passionate about sharing their faith with their friends. And um, we didn't see an invite culture. So the youth pastor was doing a lot of inviting, but students weren't inviting other students, their friends, to come with them. And we just thought, man, this, this model is broken. Let's do something different. Because I go back to the story of baby Jessica. It didn't matter how much money it cost. It didn't matter how much energy they had to spend. They were going to do everything in their power to rescue and to reach baby Jessica. So my question to you is, what is the faith of the next generation worth? My answer to that is it's worth everything. It's worth everything. So what's changing, Justin? Here's what's changing. Is we're, we're kind of putting a little skeleton idea or model together. But Cody, man, he's already done a great job of reaching out to youth, involving youth, but we really want students to be involved in speaking into this. But... We're moving to a small group model of ministry. We believe this is going to involve more leaders. It's going to give more opportunities to meet. And it's going to give more time options. We're not going to be kind of boxed in. For example, this means that we get to take youth group to Bayfield. All right? So students will be meeting in in different homes in in Bayfield and different homes in Durango. And for Bayfield, it means they won't have to ride in an hour, you know, in a van to get to youth group. And Cody Moore is going to give more specifics to this at the parent meeting that's happening right after this service. So if you're really interested, you can hear more about that right after this service. But imagine with me for just a moment, okay? Imagine with me students meeting all over the county in different homes. And when they show up to this home, they get some really good food. Because food, I'm telling you, man, it's like a magnet, okay? They get some really good food. 
They have a great time. They connect with the, the leaders that are in that home. They connect with other students. They get to participate in relevant teaching and teaching that really applies to them. And they're actually given opportunities to help lead and to be involved in that. And it's an effort to draw them close to Jesus. So three times out of a month, they're meeting in homes. Now picture this. Once a month, all those groups, all those homes that are meeting, hopefully, all over the region, they gather in one place to celebrate what God has done, to worship God, to have a bunch of fun games and a bunch of good food and We believe that this will help both students and leaders alike to see firsthand that they are not the only Christians that exist in La Plata County and that God is doing incredible things in people's hearts and minds and lives. That's kind of the rough idea. We don't have it all figured out, but we're excited for the journey ahead of us. And... It doesn't mean the ministry that we've done in the past was all for naught. It wasn't. God did incredible things. But just like baby Jessica, I think our first attempt uh, didn't work like maybe we had hoped. And so we're going to try something different. And that's one thing I've always loved about Grace Church is we're willing to try things. And we're willing to fail. We're willing to do some different things to reach people with the gospel. I'm going to finish with this. I would encourage you, please pray for Cody Moore. Um, Man, he's going to be kind of spearheading this effort. So pray for him, encourage him, and um, lift him up, you know, and encourage him. Also, pray for the students to catch the vision. Pray that students will rise up and lead and be a part of an incredible movement to impact this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for the students. And then lastly... Pray for yourselves. Pray for yourselves that you will open up your homes and that you will be uh, leaders in these homes and that you will be living examples to the younger generations. Pray for yourselves that they can look to your life and say, I want that. I want want my family to look like that. I, I want my marriage to look like that. I want my business to look like that. You know, Melanie shared a verse when she was talking about her journey through COVID. And it was, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of darkness winning. And so... We're going to do everything we can. Even if it means falling flat on our face, at least we fail trying. My gosh. We're going to do everything we can. And you know what? It's been really cool to see some college students here. We had quite a few um, in our first service this morning. And um, I know we, we have a heart for young adults um, and especially the younger generations. And I guess... I'm naive enough to just dream about, of course we want to reach every age, but man, I dream about Grace Church, maybe Grace Churches, 
being full of young families, uh, young adults meeting all over the place, college students eating more spaghetti, you know, um, high school students just filling up homes and uh, middle school students and elementary kids and nurseries and babies and diapers and like a church that's just vibrant, full of life and is proclaiming the power of God to the next generations. Like, look at how stinking amazing our God is. Like, I dream about that, and I want that, and I hope I can be a part of seeing that. That'd be awesome. I'm going to pray before I start blubbering like a big old baby. All right? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. I do pray for Cody. I pray that you would just give him, give him incredible, strong, passionate, leadership as he spearheads this effort. I pray for students. I pray that they would catch the fire. And Lord, you would use them to help um, lead a movement of gospel change in this region. And I do pray for um, homes to open up, for parents to say, gosh, you can use my house. I can make spaghetti. uh, I would love to lead a group. You know, just we would just have a yes culture here where people are willing to roll up their sleeves and help spearhead this effort. God, we we pray that you would smile upon this effort, that you would bless it, that your favor would be upon this change of strategy with the youth ministry. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cody's going to come give some updates. God bless you, church. Great to have you. Thanks, Justin. Like I said, my name is Cody Moore. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Grace Church, and uh, I'm so glad to be here to worship with you. I'm glad that we can uh, come together, and it's nice to see each week uh, some different faces showing back up. Um, and it's been awesome to meet people as, as we've been here. And so anyways, I have some announcements to give. Uh, number one, we have a, a food drive type of thing that we're um, being part of. So we have a food pantry here at Grace through our Hope Ministry. He kind of alluded to it earlier and we give food boxes to people that come in and in need or they call. Anyways, we are running short on some of our supply. And so uh, if you want to jot some, something down that I mentioned that we are in need of, uh, feel free to do it. And we'll also put a graphic up on uh, social media this week with those items. Um, but we are in need of, let me get my face to recognize. There we go. Uh, we are in need of peanut butter and jelly, um, some hearty soups. It says hearty ones. I'm going to make fun of Keith for saying that. Um, canned veggies and pasta sauce. So if, if you want, you can jot one of those down or a couple of those down and bring them in uh, next week on Sunday morning or even uh, throughout this week. Now, the thing is, next week we are launching a brand new series called I Choose. And, and the bulk of that is that we are the sum total of our decisions. And so throughout the month of September, we are going to talk about little decisions that make life-altering or, or long-lasting impacts and how those can add up into um, just who we are. And so we're going to talk about that throughout the month of September. Um, uh, right after this, we're going to have a student-parent meeting for Grace Student Ministries. So 6th through 12th graders and parents are welcome to be in this room, and we're going to share a little bit more about the vision and structure of GSM this next school year and what that looks like and how even maybe you might be a part of it. Um, And then lastly, we do have a quick video. Uh, There were some technical difficulties last week, and we weren't able to share that video. So 
We're going to watch this quick video about our small group, adult small group update, and then you will be dismissed right after that. Morning, Grace Church, to update you on some small group information. We are wanting to move forward in a new model for small groups to create more room for people to lead and also more room for people to participate in hopes that we can um, create an awesome sense of community at Grace Church, and that's the hope with our small groups. So, we're wanting to break small groups into three different categories one is life groups, um, another is fellowship groups, and then the third is activity groups. We're wanting life groups to look basically the way small groups look at Grace Church right now, where there's a number of people or families that get together and they study the Word together, they worship together, um, they create kind of community together, and those groups become closed once they're full. And then fellowship groups, we're hoping, look more like um, it can be very fluid. It could be a short-term study, um, a six-week study. It has a beginning and an end. It could be... um, Maybe someone wants to just lead a Bible study where you don't have to necessarily commit, but it's open for people to come in and out, or even to be able to worship together. Um, and then the activity groups um, is going to look a lot like doing some kind of hobby together or an activity, hence activity groups. Um, I know that we have a gene group that gets together that would fall under that category on people that maybe want to learn music together. There's a variety of things that this can look like as well. So I'm putting this out there because what we really need is for people to step into leading some of these roles. And I know that I've spoken to a handful of people that have a passion for a certain subject or um, a certain activity or hobby that they love to do that with a group of people. If this is you, then you may be perfect for leading one of these groups. And we want to support you in it. We want to equip you in that. We want to answer your questions. We don't want it to be this overwhelming, daunting thing. Um, So please come and chat with us. Just get some information about it and pray about it and see if maybe you would be someone to lead one of these groups. We're going to be out in the lobby to answer your questions, and we hope to see you there. All right, thanks, Grace Church.